we're being very intentional with our 12 days of takeout here. So I would say absolutely call them first and see kind of what's going on. Like if they tell you, hey, you know, we can deliver from here, then that will help them save money on the cost paying commissions out to the different platforms. Now we do work with the platforms directly, Postmates and DoorDash, but I would suggest to call or go onto their website first and find out what their preference is. Because yes, that is an issue that we've also been dealing with a lot, which is the commissions. It's no secret that the coronavirus is affecting all of us as individuals, but the effect it's having on business, especially small business, is unprecedented. We need a game plan and fast. If we're going to survive this, we need resources and we need each other. We can't do it alone. I'm Jesse Torres, and this is Hack My Business. With my background in economic and workforce development, disaster preparedness, and general business strategy, I know I can help you navigate this scary time in your business and beyond. It's all about resiliency. I'll have the most current solutions and best practices available so we can ensure your business not only survives this crisis, but thrives once we start moving forward again. Co-hosting with me will be my colleague, Sid Varakara, principal of 10-Page Memo. We'll have invited experts to help us navigate through the current noisy landscape of resources and programs that are being made available today and who will be able to prepare us for tomorrow. Let's do this together. I'm Jesse Torres, and this is Hack My Business. You're listening to Hack My Business in partnership with Avant House Media. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to like and leave us a review of your thoughts on the show. Hi, and welcome back to Hack My Business. This is Jesse Torres, host of Hack My Business. And I'm here as always and again with my co-host, Sid Varakara. Sid, how are you doing today? Hey, Jesse, I'm good. I mean, it's the holiday season. It's the end of 2020 as we know it. So, <laughs> and we're all still standing. So, um, you know, I mean, I, I'm kind of looking forward to celebrating the holidays with my family and moving into 2021. How about you? I'm with you, man. Despite the raging pandemic and all the other things that you can be concerned about, I'm feeling pretty good right now. And I think part of it is because I think we're really leaning into the end of this year. We're doing what we can to support our local small businesses. I know we have some exciting things to be talking about today. But yeah, I'm with you. Maybe it's the holidays. Maybe it's the holiday magic entering my soul right now. Maybe it's the fact that we'll be (laughs) ending this year soon and things are looking good relative to vaccine and, you know, just some other transitions. So yeah, man, I'm with you. I'm feeling pretty good today. I'm really excited because today we're actually joined by Lily Rocha. CEO and Executive Director of the Latino Restaurant Association, who is coming on to Hack My Business for the first time to help announce an exciting new campaign to support our local eateries and drinking establishments during this pandemic. Today, we're announcing the launch of 12 Days of Takeout, a movement that encourages everyone to make at least one purchase a day from their favorite dining or drinking locale between December 12th and December 23rd. Participating in the campaign is really easy. You just have to make a purchase every day between the 12th and the 23rd and share your food pics, share photos of the eatery, of the owners of the eatery or the uh, the bistro or cafe or brewery, whatever makes the most sense for you and use our social media tag, 12 Days of Takeout. We have an Instagram page, 12 Days of Takeout. We have a website, 12daysoftakeout.com. And we're just really excited. We just want to make some kind of effort, a small step that we could take directly to support all those that have been keeping us well-fed and well-refreshed during this crazy time. Sid, I'm guessing that you already are mapping out your strategy. I know you're a big foodie guy. 
what's that like for you? How do you think about the next 12 days? I am super excited, Jesse, that you and I kind of launched this idea of around 12 days of takeout because this is like near and dear to my heart. In fact, I think I've already got everything from Mexican to Greek to my local coffee shops all planned out. You are not wrong, my friend. I'm, I'm already, I've been planning from 24 days out on what I'm going to do for the 12 days out. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to you. As you know, I love to eat and have a good beverage from time to time. I'm blessed in that I live here in San Gabriel Valley and we have just a tremendous amount of great restaurants and especially within my own neighborhood, some really amazing spots that I'm going to hit up and do what I can to help support them and promote them. But let's go ahead and bring in Lily into our conversation. Lily, thank you so much for joining us today and being a great collaborator on this campaign. Hey, well, thank you. You guys are really already making me hungry. So thank you <laughs> for having me. <laughs> So Lily, before we dive into the 12 Days of Takeout campaign, and thank you for partnering with us, why don't you just share with us some of your personal background and the work and mission of the Latino Restaurant Association? Yeah, no, thank you so much. Again, really excited that you guys brought this um, idea to us. So my name is Lily Rocha. I am the executive director slash CEO of the Latino Restaurant Association. And so we represent over 800 Latino-owned restaurants and some what we call person of color, different other types of ethnic restaurants as well. And so what we were doing pre-COVID was we're here as the advocacy group, the Association for Latino Restaurant Owners. And so, of course, when COVID hit, as you know, you know, my gosh, you know, just things were like, have been turned upside down. So we've been just rolling with it. We've been, you know, providing resources. One of our programs that's been successful, we were one of the first to do it in LA. Now I see everyone doing it, but I'm like, we did it first. Now we were one of the first to do the Feeding Frontliners program. Um, my partner's a physician at St. John's in Santa Monica. So it was me basically sending lunch to her and her staff. And then oh, it wow. just turned into a big program. Yeah, it just turned into like this big, and we've been, We've never stopped. We've always, we've been doing it since March. So we've been feeding frontliners. So what we do is we purchase food from local Latino owned or Latino themed restaurants. And we go to different hospitals. We've been doing it all the way from San Diego, all the way down Bakersfield, Fresno. We've fed thousands and thousands of frontline workers. We also have other programs where we're helping provide meals for essential workers. So you name it, we've been doing it. It's been, honestly, it's like joy to the soul for me. Today's Friday, mm. Food Hug Friday. And we do that in Pasadena because I'm in the San Gabriel Valley as well. On Fridays, we do some hot meals on every Friday. So just lots What's going on with us? So, well, Lily, I'll say um, since we're talking geography, I'm in San Diego, so oh. it's kind of like awesome that you're all the way from San Diego to Bakersfield yeah. and everywhere in between. What a great program to give back! And frankly, I mean, I think we all talk about like paying things forward. I just love that that's part of our campaign here for 12 days of takeout is just like just pay it forward for an essential worker. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're really excited about this program and can't wait to get started because we have so many restaurants. <laughs> and I had to give a big shout out to Lily and to LRA because I actually serve on the board of Union Station Homeless Services and we leveraged the program and really that platform from the Latino Restaurant Association to actually provide takeout opportunities for the staff that we have that are working one-on-one -on -one with homeless uh, individuals and people at risk of homelessness. And they loved it. For us, it was, a, it was an easy way for us to give back to people who are doing really critical 
essential work. And for them, the chance to get some great food from local eateries was a big deal. But Lily, you and I, we go way back and have worked on a few different small business issues. But I know that you're really on that front line of seeing how these restaurants and drinking establishments have been hit hard by the COVID-19 pandemic. And in fact, the last stat I just saw a few days ago is that nationwide, we've lost more than 110,000 eateries and drinking establishments since the 200 days in which the pandemic really first took hold here in the US. So I want to know, like, what's it like for you? What are you hearing there on the street? What are restaurant owners asking for? Or what's the vibe right now? Oh, man, as you know, it's not a cool vibe. Obviously, we've been hearing all of the bad news since March. And of course, the number that you said was the same number we're using. That's from the National Restaurant Association. About 100,000 restaurants are not coming back. Um, We also take it so personal as well, because as far as it's relatively the same in the Latino restaurant ownership community, but we also have a lot of employees that are Latinos that work in all restaurants in general. So when you take the entire restaurant community, our people, nuestra gente, right, is they're really a lot of the workers, back of the house, kitchen workers. And so we've been, as everyone has heard, you know, disproportionately hit hard by this. So yeah, I'm hearing the stories. We've, we started a video series about three weeks ago, call it Cocina Stories, where just telling some really personal stories of people who, you know, are working like two, three jobs at different restaurants and what's happening with them and the closure. So yeah, it's just like we're trying to roll with all this. But at the same time, yeah, it's as you know, it's like hard. I mean, there's just it's like an avalanche of just devastation. So we've been trying to deal with it. We in 2021, we're um, starting some programming, really focusing on education and how we can work with like tech and educating our restaurants on how to be more successful. So Jesse, you know, that's some of the things that we you and I do, we can help educate some of these business owners on how to be, you know, more successful, how to pivot, you know, so just a lot, you know, it's like, oh my God, craziness, but a lot. It's also personal. We have a restaurant down the street from where I live called Cosm Pie, just an amazing restaurant. I think we were their first customers the day they opened a few years back or two years back. A young couple that runs it, they have family-owned business and we've seen them go through it all. And it's hard not to feel this really strong personal attachment to the places you go for food. And it's not just them, but it's everybody else here in South Pasadena just trying to get through. And I know that was a big part of the reason why Sid and I wanted to take this initiative and just do something. This all started because uh, social media posted something saying, what can we do? What can we do as a community to help support these impacted restaurants? And the response I got back was, look, man, the best thing you can do right now is just buy, buy food, buy products, buy services, spend money do whatever you can. And it's, you know, it's really that kind of simple action that you can take that makes a big difference. Instead, I, I know it's the same for you. I mean, that's the thing is like, it's the same experience for everybody everywhere right now. You must be seeing it directly down there in San Diego as well. Oh, 100%. And I think when we think about food and feeding your family and feeding your community, so often you have restaurants, particularly in San Diego and our Somali community and our Vietnamese community, that these restaurants are family owned, family operated. And at the same time, this was the pathway for an immigrant parent to create an economic opportunity for their children. When you hear that statistic of 110,000 restaurants that aren't coming back, those are not just venues. Those are people's lives that have been deeply impacted by COVID. And so, Jesse, you're just kind of like commenting on your local restaurant that's owned by that couple. I mean, like that's just multiplied exponentially, which is why I love this kind of idea of just taking this like just elevate 
elevating this where we're just asking people like, hey, go out and do what you're going to normally do, but then celebrate it with your friends and family on social media and hopefully encourage them to continue to do it too. And maybe we can like stem the tide of these losses. You know, we have had the chance to feature restaurant owners on Hack My Business in the past and hear directly about how they've had to pivot and adapt and lean in during COVID. And you've talked about some of the work that you're doing in 2021. Can you just share some simple words of advice that you have for restaurant business owners as they're trying their very best to get through this and just basically preview some of the things that you're talking about for 2021? Thank you so much, Sid. Exactly. So what we've seen, and, and we work with National Restaurant Association, California Restaurant Association, and use a lot of the data and other information that they put out. Um, we're a lot smaller, so we are really grateful that we can get that from them. But one of the things that we do see is that restaurants, the restaurants that have been able to use technology quickly have been the ones who've been able to really, I guess, be a little bit more successful with the delivery and all the delivery apps and things like that. Now, we saw in the Latino community that a lot of our restaurants, a high number of our Latino restaurants, especially the mom and pops, they're not at all geared towards even having a website that is functioning was not in their wheelhouse. So we're trying to you know, make sure that we go out into the community. We've already hired for next year. We have two six-week programs that we're going to be going out and encouraging people to join this uh, six-week class and really boot just camps. teach them. Yeah, some um, accelerator boot camps you know, for technology. And so we're out there doing that. And they're also going to be in Espanol. So all of us at the LRA are bilingual. So we're, and we're so passionate about, you know, what we do. So we want to make sure if we have to go out there and teach them, I thank goodness I'm a little bit tech savvy, a little tiny bit, um, so I can help out. But I think the most important part is having the uh, Spanish speaking helpers. So those two boot camps are happening next year. We're also having lots of different resources. We have helpers who can help with the forms, some of the resources that are coming out. So we're also waiting to hear about the CARES Act and what's going to happen with that. So we are trying to position ourselves to make sure that our staff is ready to go. And and we do. We get hundreds of phone calls from all kinds of restaurants all over the state of California. And so we're trying to make sure that we're ready for those. So the educational, we're also going to be promoting uh, Dine Latino. We did that this week. It's similar to the 12 days of takeout, but it's a one week from a Tuesday to a Sunday where it's a Dine Latino, where we promote different restaurants throughout the state of California. It's sort of like the Dine LA, but it's Dine Latino. We had that this year. It was pretty successful. But I think most of the programming that we're doing, Sid, is going to be focused on how to educate our restaurant owners and take them to the next level. Now, we have what I love, and I think Jesse can appreciate this too, is that we're going to be looking at their one location and seeing how they can pivot from like maybe not having a website to having a functioning, you know, system platform where they can accept orders and deliveries all the way to like, hey, there's a restaurant here that has 12 locations. How do we get them in front of, you know, venture capital or other investors so that we can turn them into a national chain or things like that? So it's it really varies on depending on where they are, what stage of their business they're at. But we really want to do that because I've seen restaurants where, you know, they have like five to 10 locations and the food is delicious. They've got a great program, but they're not getting that funding. They're not getting themselves in front of, I mean, not they, but they don't know how to get themselves in front of uh, perhaps people that can help them, you know, grow their business, scale their business. So all kinds of stuff. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> it's really cool. Yeah. It's super cool. Anyways, I mean, that's I the classic. <laughs> 
Well, the way you mentioned is like the classic issue of minority businesses, the inability to scale and the funding. I have a specific question around online ordering because obviously the campaign we're kicking out 12 days of takeout is going to be all virtual, right? You have to either call directly or order online through some kind of system. And to be frank, I've been really kind of nervous about trying to figure out, okay, what is the best way to order? If I'm going to use an app, should I even use an app? Or is it always just better to call directly? But what do you recommend? I mean, especially for those businesses that maybe aren't as tech sophisticated or embracing tools for the first time, but other platforms that you recommend, how do you suggest that folks actually engage with these eateries or drinking establishments in a way that is, I guess, not cost prohibitive to them and is also not putting these restaurants or locales into a difficult spot, if that makes sense. I like what you said about calling them first. We're being very intentional with our 12 days of takeout here. So I would say absolutely call them first and see kind of what's going on. If they tell you, hey, you know, we can deliver from here, then that will help them save money on the costs, paying commissions out to the different platforms. Now we do work with the platforms directly, Postmates and DoorDash, but I would suggest to call or go onto their website first and find out what their preference is. Because yes, that is an issue that we've also been dealing with a lot, which is the commissions and delivery and things like that. I think, you know, right now that's not our priority. Right now our priority is just getting people to buy from the different restaurants. However, I know that legislative issues have popped up this year with regard to commission caps and things like that. So we'll be looking at all of that later. But at the same time, you know, that is helpful, Jesse. So I think that's a great suggestion to call the restaurant directly first before you order. And Lily, what advice do you have for folks on a budget or frankly, like me, who are concerned about adding in on another COVID-20? Because I've already surpassed my first COVID-20 in June. And so, you know, me too. (laughs) we all have. Yeah, we all have. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, like, so I'm kind of curious on your advice, other than Sid, just get up and, and walk a mile a day, right? Yeah. No, it's funny. If you see my, like, LinkedIn and all my pictures, I look nothing like this. Because, yes, I probably, I'm on COVID-30 at this point. So, yeah, no, I think that on a budget, you know, right now, I know a lot of restaurants have, like, family packs. They're offering different specials. Look for the coupons that are out there. A lot of the delivery apps, they do have a discount right now for new restaurants. So there's a lot of coupons. Definitely look for those. You know, personally, my personal diet, I've been eating the kids meal, but <laughs> but that's after I order, you know, everybody else's meal. So, but yeah, there's different coupons and different specials that are going on right now with the different app. The only thing I, I say, you know, for restaurants is that I know a lot of restaurants are signing up with these, but then they're going to go up, you know, once, you know, this whatever transition period is over. So that's one of the things I, I'm telling restaurants to be really careful about because then those could skyrocket after. They're definitely a good idea right now. And then we're in conversations with Postmates and DoorDash, and all of those guys to make sure that we have a more balanced um, situation with regard to the commissions. But yeah, I think checking out the coupons, checking out the different specials, and then look for those family packs, look for the different specials. And they usually have those on the website or they usually have those on the different delivery app sites. You can usually see what's going on. Lily, do you think this is the future? I mean, do you think we'll ever go back to the way it was eating inside? Or are people now really comfortable with the fact that they can order pretty premium level food and have it at home? Are we now going to just see kind of like counters where you order food and take it from there? Or what do you see happening? Yeah, no. And you know, this is a business program and I am a businesswoman. So I will say that I think we're going to see an increase in what's called ghost kitchens. And there's two things going on with the ghost kitchens. One is where like, let's say I'm a brand, you know, like let's say you 
hookahs in Pasadena. I can uh, expand my brand by then having a kitchen in what's called a ghost kitchen. It's just a place where my food is made. And when people call up, they're going to like, let's say there's no yuccas in San Diego. So I open up a ghost kitchen in, in San Diego. And so that when Sid orders his burrito from yuccas, he's going to get it in 30 minutes from this ghost kitchen and it's, and it's a yuccas burrito. So that's one thing. Pre-COVID, we already saw that ghost kitchens were already on their way up. So that has just accelerated because of COVID. The other thing that ghost kitchens are doing is like, let's say yuccas already has a Mexican brand of burritos, but they want to experiment with a different brand. They want to call it Lily's burrito. Right. So then they'll still sell Lily's burritos out of their um, either ghost kitchen or their own existing kitchen now, but it's a different brand. So like that's something that people are doing as well. Like they're creating these um, second brands out of either a ghost kitchen or their current kitchen and seeing how that goes. But I do see that being a big deal. So I'm looking at, you know, a lot of ghost kitchen. Do you see like a ghost kitchen that could be set up where it could be multiple restaurants that are using the same uh, kitchen? Yeah, no, that's exactly what it is. So a ghost kitchen usually has capability. I mean, the smallest ones I've seen have been like storefronts where it's like five different restaurants and then like a Kitchen United, which is one of the larger ones or cloud kitchens, they could do 20, 30 restaurants all in the same one building that has 30 kitchens, you know, different. So yeah, that is definitely the wave of the future. I'm not saying restaurants are going to close down. That's not the case, but we're going to see a lot more ghost kitchens and food, you know, coming from these types of kitchens for sure. Yeah, we actually had a guest on early in the when we started the show, Gail Lillian, who I think is actually one of our most popular shows. Gail, she has a restaurant up in Northern California called Eva Falafel. And her and her husband, Sal, were part of the really leaders in the Oakland Indie Alliance, which is a group of about 50 or so restaurants there in the Oakland area. We've known them now for a few years. And even a few years back, they were telling us that that is the future. I mean, the rents are so high and more and more of these kind of individual restaurants, it just wasn't cost effective, especially in the uh, the Bay Area. And so they're saying that the model is essentially over. That says quite a lot. I mean, already you're seeing now the other industries that are kind of doing the same thing. I mean, um, Disney yesterday announcing all these different works on their platform, Disney Plus, movies now going straight to streaming. I think more and more you're seeing this moving towards a different type of living and work and the virtual work that we've all experienced over the past nine months, how much easier it makes your life, although harder in some aspects. But I don't know if you agree with me, Sid and Lily, but I think I think we're on the cusp of this kind of new age. What are children or the younger generation, what they think about the best way to get food or experience entertainment is going to look radically different. You almost feel this pain of like, oh, if I had known that it was all going to be over in February, I probably would have gone to a movie theater or, you know, sat in a restaurant one last time, right? Doesn't it feel that way for you guys? I definitely see that things, you know, have been changing. I mean, I'm very excited. I come out of the 90s over in Silicon Valley, where I was the Bay Area during that time. And so it's exciting for me to see a lot of this stuff. And in a lot of ways, it's, it's exciting. I think, Jesse, you're absolutely correct with that. I mean, we were on the sort of like on the cusp of that sort of like, wow, this is changing. I have a 12 year old, so we have you know already experienced so much difference from the way like she consumes media and different. Well, Lily, we're just so thrilled to be partnering with you on this initiative. Just thank you and thank Latino Restaurant Association for your collaboration. How can people best reach you if they'd like to connect and partner with LRI? It's kind of long. It's the Latino Restaurant Association.org. So you can just remember that.org and you can reach us there. My email is there. We're also on Instagram. Become a follower, Latino Restaurant Association on Instagram. But those are the two areas that we can be reached. And of course, 
I can be reached anytime at 925-212-4016. So. We definitely are encouraging all of our listeners to take part in the Toll Days of Takeout campaign to support our dining and drinking establishments between Saturday, December 12th and Wednesday, December 23rd. You can find out more information on how you can engage in the campaign at tolldaysatakeout.com. You can access our cool share kit designed by Jane Creative with some great social media ready images that you can use and post everywhere you want to be on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, etc. And if you want to partner and help promote the campaign, just email us at info at tolldaysatakeout.com. And again, we just want to reiterate, you don't have to order every single meal of every single day, whatever makes the most sense for your budget, for your waistline, said, feel free to just take whatever you want. To, if you want to extend it on into the new year, we encourage that whatever makes the most sense whatever you think you can do we all just appreciate it but thank you again lily and thank you everyone we'll be back again next week if you are a california business owner seeking out resources and support please visit our website covid19biztools.com which provides a comprehensive listing of grants programs and services for covid19 impacted businesses you can also visit covid19biztools.com to let us know what topics you'd like us to cover just reach out to us on the contact page on the website Have a great day, and we'll catch you next time on Hack My Business.